Welcome to the Simple Self-Care Podcast, your weekly nudge to take good care. I'm your host, Randy Kay. Well, hello there. It feels so good to be back with you on the airwaves, bringing you this fair podcast. For those tuning into this podcast for the first time, I took a few weeks off to do some travels, to rest and recalibrate a bit, and do some prep for some exciting things coming this spring. Next week, I'll dig into some of my adventures from spring break, I guess you can call it, (laughs) Um, including the story of waking up in a desert and then falling asleep in a snowstorm. So stay tuned. But this week, I am just giddy to bring you a conversation I had with the lovely Melissa Coleman from the beloved blog, The Faux Martha. Her new book, The Minimalist Kitchen, just hit the stands a few days ago, and I got to chat with her not only about her book and simplifying the kitchen, but also some beginner steps for bringing minimalism into your life, how gathering around the table can bring healing and Melissa's favorite self-care rituals, which may or may not involve The Bachelor. (laughs) So you want to take a listen, and I'll leave you with that conversation in just a moment. But before I do that, I did want to let you in on a fun Instagram giveaway I'm doing with Melissa and one of her favorite kitchen supply brands, OXO. So all you need to do to enter is follow me at naturally randy k melissa at the foam martha and oxo at oxo and tag three friends in the comments of my post that is now live on my insta feed you'll have a chance to win melissa's book which is so so good by the way but you'll also win one of melissa's favorite kitchen gadgets from oxo again Head over to my Insta at naturallyrandyk, that's naturally R-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y to enter, and I'll announce the winner on Wednesday the 18th. Alrighty, that's going to be fun. (laughs) But now I will give you what you've all been waiting for, Melissa. Well, first of all, thank you for having me today. It is so affirming to be able to to do something like this. You know, I sit in my hole in my house and I wonder if I'm doing it right, which of course, if you're doing yourself, you're doing it right. Um, but it can feel really weird to, to put yourself out there. Um, so I'm Melissa. I write the blog, the faux Martha. It started, gosh, 10, almost 10 years ago, 10 years ago, this November. And it started because I moved away from my family. I got married and a blog was the way that you kept in touch with your family. But pretty quickly, it turned into a food blog. By day, I was a graphic designer. That's what I went to school for. And I always hoped that my background in design and food could somehow merge, that they could work together I also thought it was impossible, but then there's also been a piece of me that felt like I need to choose designer food, designer food, and I I would say that's been a bigger part of my story more recently. Um, As I was writing the book, my book, The Minimalist Kitchen, which is out 
on April 10th, I finally realized that design and food were two fuel tanks that kind of made what I did. Um, I couldn't have one without the other, even though I was always trying in some ways to choose one. Um, I painted in high school. I, if you look at my work, I was a reductionist. I was constantly reducing down the amount of colors I used, uh, the amount of strokes. I loved negative space. And then when I became a graphic designer, I loved white space because as you know, even up to 10 years ago, this is a story that's probably always been true of humankind. We've always tried to do too much and put too much in our day. And even when I would get a file from a client, they would want to communicate too much in a three panel brochure. So it was always my job to communicate the essentials beautifully. And even though I'm not a practicing graphic designer anymore, that I take that same approach when I'm looking at a room in my house, when I'm looking at a recipe, when I'm creating, when I have created my kitchen, a space that is essential, but also works and it feels really doable and beautiful. I don't want to delete the beauty out of things. Yeah. That reminds me of the quote that you listed in your book about minimalism by that artist Mm -hmm. um, where it said, pare down the essence, but don't remove the poetry. Yes. I love that quote. Especially when it comes to minimalism, because I think a lot of people think of minimalism as this stark lack of things. Absolutely. Um, It actually terrified me to write a book with the word minimalism or minimalist in the title, because it is such, it's a controversial word and it brings out emotions and preconceived notions immediately. So that was a bit terrifying, but I came across his quote, I think in, gosh, we were living in Connecticut at the time. It was probably six years ago. And it was, I did a little series. It was a baking series on my blog called Reclaiming Simple or some, something like that. And that's when I first fell in love with his quote. And then I've since read his book. And I love the way that he views life um, or the way that Wabi Sabi, I hope I'm even saying it right, views <laughs> life. There's, mm-hmm. there's just the natural beauty is in things that aren't perfect. Um, but also there's beauty in paring down. Yeah, I think, so what made you comfortable with taking on that word? If it's, you know, such a stigma word. Mm -hmm. It was, gosh, you know, to call this book, the essential kitchen, it just sounds so boring in yeah. some ways. It reminds me, I don't know if you ever saw the uh, the cans at the grocery store. This was in the 90s where they were black and white and it would just say black beans, like mm-hmm. 15 ounces. And it almost, the essential kitchen almost sounds like those cans where, <laughs> you know, just a little too boring. I I have fallen in love with this word minimalism too because, I mean... It, it's just it's just such an interesting word. It's a word that needs unpacking, even though you have this immediate reaction to it. It's funny because, uh, you know, with minimalism, you pare down so you can do more. 
Mm-hmm. So you're you're trying to produce more, even though you're practicing minimalism. Yeah, which is kind of funny. I like that you got that way through design, because mm-hmm. I feel like you know how you are with one thing is how you are with everything. You know. Yes. That? And it's like in your design work. I mean, it's just a reflection of what's important in your life and in your values as well. So to make that observation of like, oh, since I love editing down and pairing more in this one aspect, that can go into all these other aspects of my life. Totally. I came to that almost from a crisis. There was was a a couple summers ago. I feel like my life has been defined by these mini crises that are not actually crises (laughs) at all, but they feel like a lot of people's. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There are defining moments and I was going around asking a lot of my friends for advice, like, how do I define what I do? Because I was a blog and I posted about baking, but then I also did dinners and um, I like to keep things kind of wholesome and minimal. Like there were all these different attributes to what I did and I didn't know how to communicate what I did. Um, Even when people asked me what I did, what my blog was about, I kind of sheepishly said something or nothing. I I mean, I didn't have my little elevator pitch. And I talked to a friend one time and she said, Oh, Melissa, you kind of cook mostly minimal weeknight dinners. And, and then like your weekend stuff is classic and slow. And I was like, Oh, that's what, that's what I do. I kind of beat my rhythm is to the rhythm of life and the way that I do design and food, everything touches everything like we are the sum of all our parts we're not just one thing Mm -hmm. so what helped you be okay with combining your love for design and food like and why was it such a a battle you know I'm just constantly reducing and I think that's the bad part of minimalism reducing just for the sake of reducing Mm -hmm. um I I like things to be clear Um, I can sometimes be pretty indecisive. So if I can pare down all my decisions, that feels good to me. Um, but yeah, I would say that in most of my life, I am always trying to reduce. It's, it's, it's not like I wrote this book and my kitchen is done. I'm just, I think I will always be a work in progress. I see life almost like yoga as a practice. It's just always, going. Um, and I, I think it took the book for me to realize I can have both and that's a really good thing and to let those things be, and they're going to influence each other almost like, you know, a human relationship, they're dynamic in that way. And I just need to let those two do that and quit reducing that aspect of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's interesting. As somebody who, like myself, it's, I like to practice minimalism and it is definitely an ongoing journey for me, but it's not something that came naturally to me. So Mm -hmm. I I haven't felt like it's been too much before, Mm -hmm. but I can definitely understand the fact of like when your strengths become your weaknesses. Yes. (laughs) And how like, yeah, yeah, you're just in that habit of simplifying that you then get to this really hard, (laughs) like identifying point of like, 
but I want both of these things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's almost, this is so weird. And this is why minimalism is so complex, which is weird to call minimalism complex, but <laughs> it, it almost like when you create all this space for yourself, when you're deleting stuff out of your life, you create space and then you can wrestle with the things. Gosh, I don't want to say that really matter, but you know, in my life, these, this really matters to my career, to what I choose to do. And I've given myself space to actually figure this out or to decide not to figure it out, you know, um, it creates space for that. Yeah. So how has the book encompassed both? I guess, I mean, you designed a lot of the aspects of the book, but Mm -hmm. kind of like what, what's your clarity moving forward? Oh man. Um, (laughs) life question. Sorry. Yes. Gosh, (laughs) clarity. I am, I have problem with clarity. (laughs) I mean, it's really why I practice minimalism because I have a big problem in making decisions and having clarity on something. Um, partly too, because I also believe we're always evolving. Mm -hmm. And so clarity is just a little too mushy for me. And that's a negative. Um, that's a negative. I, I guess I'm right now I'm in this space where I feel like I can do something. I never wanted to design just to design or to create something for the sake of creating. And this book, like the fusion of, of the way that I approach design and recipes in the kitchen, I feel like it can be really helpful to people. It's been so helpful to me. Like what this book is about, it's, it's actually what I practice and it's, what I started creating when the kitchen completely broke for me, which Mm -hmm. happened after I became a mom. Mm -hmm. I was a working mom and my kitchen was just so inefficient. And I learned to cook with a lot of time on my hands and I didn't have time anymore. So I needed to create more efficient practices. Um, And minimalism, you know, it kind of encompasses what what was going on there. I was continually paring down my ingredients, my tools, my cooking techniques. When I started blogging, my main goal was, this was 10 years ago, was to learn how to make everything, every, every single thing. And then when I became a mom, I was like, Melissa, you need to put dinner on the table. You've got to get focused (laughs) and get dinner on the table at 5.30. And that was really hard for me for a really long time. And I talked with so many moms who are in the same life stage. And we all said, Oh my gosh, dinner arrives at five 30 every day by surprise. It's like, we didn't see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> and so I lived in that for a really long time until mm-hmm. I s- decided I have, I have to do something about this space. I have to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, because feeding my family is important, mostly because gathering at the table is is important it's an important ritual that I want to wanted to keep and so that's kind of how the minimalist kitchen was born yeah well and and since then um like you recently posted a a print of the measurements I think that people can download yes and so that you designed that is beautiful and so I feel like that's a really great combination of the two moving forward as well mm-hmm. as doing more stuff like that. Yeah, um, I have some more posts coming out like that, kind of decoding what 
I do in the kitchen or what a lot of people do to make the kitchen more doable. And then, you know, creating a poster or something that's beautiful to look at mm-hmm. um, and also functional yeah. to help people navigate almost the kitchen a little bit backwards. Like, you know, when you're making a recipe, you're just going verbatim. But when you can understand what that person was thinking when they created the recipe, then you become a really good cook. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to give people those tools and designing posters right now is kind of my medium for that. Yeah, I will say that your tips in the beginning of your book about stocking your pantry and how to clean your pots in a way that, you know, you you need less of them and multi uses, Mm -hmm. like some of those suggestions were like blowing my mind. I was like, no way. I was like, oh, yeah, I could do that instead. You know, like, and my my kitchen's pretty minimal. Like, Mm -hmm. I've pared it down quite a bit over the years, but. Um, yeah, there was some pretty good nuggets in there. And I like your idea of, um, like brand loyalty of just mm-hmm. like simplify finding something you like, and then just always going for that thing. Cause it's so easy to get distracted by all the new cooking totally. brands and different types of rice and all these things that can come out. But, um, yeah, I really enjoyed that part. Oh, that. I'm so glad. Mm-hmm. I noticed that myself doing this, you know, a lot of these things are just noticing a lot of the content of the book is me noticing what I'm doing. And I think that's what, that's really hard for all of us to notice what we're doing or to almost to notice our magic mm. pieces um, because we're just doing it and it feels innate. Um, but I kind of learned that piece of myself when I bought, my daughter was, gosh, six months and she was starting to eat and we could feed her yogurt. And so we started testing all the plain whole milk yogurts out there and we finally landed on one. And then I realized, oh, I should do this to every single ingredient because sometimes you get a bag of whatever home and it's not as good as the last bag. So you don't eat it all. Like it just kind of sits there forever. And I noticed when I bought what we liked, we used it and we ate it and consumed it and our waste was less. Mm -hmm. And then when I was at the grocery store, I didn't have to think twice about what to buy. I just go on autopilot. I buy that yogurt. I buy those chips. I buy this. And things just started working for me again. Yeah, that's great. Um, So another thing I want to chat about is more of your personal self-care rituals, Mm -hmm. since that's the jam of this podcast. Um, so, you know, what you're doing in the kitchen, streamlining, streamlining things and, um, you know, forming your own kitchen rituals, that's definitely a form of Mm self-care. Um, what are some other things in your life that you like to do? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, some of these things are things I've learned from other people, how they took care of themselves. One of my neighbor friends said, I let my kids watch a show while I'm cooking and they're happy and I'm happy. And that's a way of taking care of ourselves. Um, so just hearing her say that made me realize I could do that and that was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and another friend drinks wine bef- while she's cooking dinner. And I started doing that practice too. And I ju- it just, you know, rituals, can feel repetitive, but they can also tell your brain it's time to 
wind down or it's time to take care of yourself or this is a feel good moment. Um, so I drink wine and my daughter usually plays by that point. She does watch TV while I work out. Um, that's one way I take care of myself. Uh, I also, when I'm working, which is writing recipes in the winter, I will make, I will light a candle because that just makes me happy. I try to pay attention to the happy maker things in my life and and repeat those things, which is also a cup of coffee at 2 PM in the winter. I also kind of need to pick me up by that point. Um, but almost I listen, I really try to listen to what my body is telling me and then give it that because sometimes when we deprive ourselves of things, then we go binge later. Mm -hmm. And if I can give myself these little pieces of happiness throughout the day, there's no need to binge because I've taken care of myself. Um, and maybe the biggest one is for me, is just gathering around that dinner table. We did that growing up and it gave me something that I can't even quantify or qualify, but it meant so much in my life. And I really want to, to, to protect that time and make every effort to get to that table and gather with my family every day. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I grew up always having dinner with my family as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the reason why we're still so close. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me now that I don't, it's just my husband and I, and we don't, I think kids help bring that together. Totally. But making that yeah. a priority, no matter what, I think can yeah. be really valuable. Yeah. I know in some ways, and I get a little too philosophical about things, but in some ways I like look at food and I can just hear it screaming, slow down, <laughs> sit down at the table. Did you forget to gather? Come back to me. And like food is that medium that draws us to the table that fills our belly, but also it creates this platform for human connection, which it shouldn't be that hard, but it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of healing can come at the table, whether it's mm-hmm. what we're putting in our bodies or yeah. the conversations that we have around mm-hmm. the table. Like it just fulfills so many purposes at once. It does. It does. So what are your, so we're hopefully getting out of winter. Yes. <laughs> I know it's both <laughs> snowing where we are. Right. When we're talking right now, but um, what are your favorite rituals moving forward into the spring? Hmm. You know what? Changing seasons is really hard for me because I do get a little rhythmic. I I have to create rhythms in my life to you know, make sure I cook dinner or wash the clothes or yada, yada. And so when I shift from winter mode to spring, summer mode, it's like, uh, it's like such a shakeup in my life. I don't, it's like, I've never, you know, cooked through summer before. Um, so now I know that. And I just kind of acknowledge that spring is a little bit rocky as Mm -hmm. I find my footing again. Um, like, you know, cooking through winter, it's, it's slow and you have to cook things and, in summer and spring, you can eat a lot of things raw. Um, so finding, yeah, finding that footing is really difficult. We like to eat outside a lot in the spring and summer. We get outside as much as we can, because as you know, you spend half of your life inside and half of your life outside. 
um, living up this far north. Mm-hmm. So we get outside a ton. We eat outside. We cook outside. This is a little crazy and maybe not such a minimalist practice, but we put a pizza oven in our backyard last summer. And having that out there, we make pizza every Friday or Saturday night and we go out there and we sit and my daughter knows whenever it's pizza night, somebody comes over with, we don't cook it just for the three of us. So it's a social gathering. And that's, I would say that's kind of more how my rhythms work, at least food wise, we create these uh, social gatherings on the weekend. And, you know, by the week day, I'm cooking really, really fast. Mm hmm. But the weekends are slower and celebratory and it's okay for me at least to cook for a couple hours or yeah. Yeah. I hope that that answers that question. Basically. Yeah. It's hard for me to change. (laughs) Well, you know, I think acknowledging that something is hard is part of the therapy because if you're like, I'm just going to easy breezy transition into summer and it's like then you just get disappointed and you can't really embrace what's going on exactly Um, but when you are like no this is rough and I have my things to get me through the transition and I know pizza's coming so yes yeah (laughs) it's funny strawberries to me are this great sign of not I don't know if I should say great sign mostly I miss the start of strawberry season because I'm still stuck in winter mode. And then like, right as the season's about to end, I'm like, Oh, it's time. It's summer. It's time to change. It's the end of spring. And so I almost miss strawberry season every Mm. year, but strawberries are are a reminder for me too. Like it's coming. Change is coming. You've got to figure this out. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's clinging on to those little things that Mm -hmm. make a big difference. Mm -hmm. So, um, so any, for people that are wanting to, I guess, adopt more of this simplistic, minimalistic living, do you have any, besides reading your book, which I highly recommend, um, what, what else would you say? Some good starting points. I would say just start to pay attention to yourself. I know I've kind of repeated that over and over again in this conversation, but when you start paying attention to your habits, to, to what you buy, to what you keep around, to then to the motives of the habits. So I buy a lot when this happens, or I feel happy when my house is clean, or I feel really grumpy when my house is chaotic, start to notice those things. And a lot of those particular things are in our control to change. There's plenty in life that we cannot change, but there's so much that we have the ability to that can make our everyday better um, just by noticing. Um, so that I think that would be my first tip, just, just to notice. And also try to think if you do want to make this change, I want you to think about too, that you don't have to, that this is just one way to live life and there's lots of different ways. Um, And if you do choose to live with less or maybe call yourself a minimalist, um, then to give yourself freedom to make those changes. Mm -hmm. Like we are often just doing fad diet after fad diet. Like we're looking, always looking for quick solutions and our world is so quick that it teaches us that 
you know, big changes like these should also be quick, but that is not true. Um, and so, you know, even for me, it took me, oh gosh, probably three years to get maybe three to four years to really get my kitchen into a good working order. I always say, once you clean out the front of the drawer, you'll notice the back of the drawer. (laughs) And that's true over and over and over and over again in our lives. So if we can acknowledge that and understand that change takes time and that it doesn't have to happen overnight and that you want to pursue this way of living because you think it's going to give you all these benefits and that you decide to do that. It's not, I want to see a change in, in, at the end of a, of a month, you know, it's like, it's almost like you're marrying a way of life. And then that takes the pressure off this thing off of minimalism to do something for you. It will just naturally kind of take its course when you let it. Yeah. Um, I think those would be my two things. And that's, that's not even touching your kitchen. Um, <laughs> I can give right. you some, some more kitchen tips, some practical kitchen tips. So I'm not talking and like at a 5,000 foot level. Um, <laughs> I think though, I mean, kitchen tips are, are great, but I do think that that, what you just said though, is really what it's all about. And that's how you make it your process. Mm-hmm. Is you're constantly checking in with yourself. Yeah. And that's what I that's what I teach is the essence of self-care is mm-hmm. being able to tune into your authentic self and then mm-hmm. acting accordingly. And I think it just evolves and keeps evolving and refining as you just start with that intention. Totally. Totally. I say this throughout the book, but where where minimalism starts in your and stops in your life is so unpredictable. Like you could pick up this book and think you're making over your pantry and then you're making over your closet and then you start to notice your habits and relationships. And then, and then, and then like it, it's not just about the pantry. It, it's a philosophy, a way of, of living and where it starts and stops in your life is completely unpredictable. Yeah. It's like, what's your gateway drug? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And a kitchen is a great place to start because it's one of the most chaotic places of the house. It is. The kitchen is, I as I was writing the book and trying to figure out how do I talk about this thing, I realized it's just a closet and closets are horrible troublemakers. <laughs> and this is the worst kind of troublemaker because things are perishing. You've often got multiple people using the same space Um, you're going grocery shopping, like you're bringing things in and out. Like imagine our underwear drawer expired every three months. It would create a really (laughs) big problem in our closet or in our underwear drawer. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're dealing with in the kitchen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think um, a lot of your other go-to tips, um, I mean, feel free to share any, but a lot of them can be found on your blog and of course in your book. Yes. It's, it's just laden with tips. I think we even cut out some because I go a little (laughs) over the top, but I, my goal in all of this in writing this book was just that the kitchen would feel doable because, you know, the kitchen produces a lot of food, but I think it also produces a lot of expletives and frustration. (laughs) And if we could pull those pieces out, then we could almost infuse the joy of 
cooking or gathering around the dinner table mm-hmm. back to the food. You know, half the time, I just imagine most people get to the table. I don't imagine it. It's because I was living this. You know, you barely get to the table and then you're supposed to sit down and have these great conversations with people. Like that's impossible because you're frustrated and angry and everything feels like it doesn't work. So if you can get to the table with a smile on your face, mm-hmm. with a little happiness, then that just changes the dynamic. Well, and there's even a philosophy in like Ayurveda practice mm-hmm. where the energy you have preparing your food is just as important of what mm. you're eating. So if you're preparing it in a negative space with clutter, with panic, that that is getting into your food. And, and vice versa with like positivity when it's created with love and uh, vibrancy and things like that, then that affects your mm. body. That's so interesting. I, I like in the same vein of where minimalism starts in your, and stops in your life is unpredictable. I feel like so much of life, even food is a mirror to something else, you know, like in, for the, in the example of the strawberry, that's a mirror to me of, I'm not very good at changing and I'm a little bit slow. And that's just a part of me. Like that strawberry can mirror that to me. It can, it's like a little allegory. And there's so many of those in the kitchen or, you know, all over your house. If you just look at the mirror, you can see a whole lot about yourself. Yeah, for sure. I feel that way with my yoga practice, mm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. how, I, how I'm practicing or approaching my mat or how mm-hmm. I, if I'm practicing with alignment or trying to do something else, like it just is a reflection of how I am mm. and everything mm-hmm. else. So yeah, it, all it takes is just observing, like you said, yes. just noticing and, and then honoring what comes up for you. Mm. For sure. I love that word, honoring a good word yeah (laughs) it's a lot gentler (laughs) well to wrap up um so we've got your book and it it'll have just come out when this airs so people can find that on amazon and wherever yes everywhere i think barnes and noble indiebound books you can search their website um i don't know where it will be in stores yet but you can always find it online great and what else do you have coming up that people can look forward to I will be doing a very mini book tour Um, I'll be in Minneapolis doing a couple events and then heading out to Los Angeles for about a week doing a couple things and then finally to New York and then hopefully up to Fargo to do things Yay! with you. I'd love to Yay! do more intimate events um, just because that's kind of how I roll. But yeah, yeah, it's super fun. Yeah, we just did the yoga and yogurt with Molly. Yay. So- and it was just super fun. But it was also like such a great opportunity for Molly to chat with the people that love her so much in like yeah. a real setting mm-hmm. totally <laughs> so totally. Um, yes so this yeah is not the bachelor this is real <laughs> life <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> the bachelor oh, I, it got me for a few years but I've parted ways 
I'm still working on parting ways. I need to. It's one of those things that I keep swearing off. Uh, right. But I, I don't. I mean, it's almost like the in the book I say, give yourself, give yourself a space to have a mess, mm-hmm. a space to be human. And I have a junk drawer, and I watch The Bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wise words. Yes, words to live by, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, my tip for getting off The Bachelor was Mm -hmm. um, because they get you because they put the next person on from the previous season. So you're like, I want to see how they do. So I just started watching the first episode and then like midway an episode and then the end. Oh, so I could still like because there were so many episodes that I'm like, this is just garbage. This is absolute garbage for my brain. But then I was like, but I want to know. I want to know who he's choosing from and I want to know who he ends up choosing. And so I kind of did that for a little while. Um, And then I eventually was like, I don't don't care. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to wean myself like that. (laughs) I'll practice this summer with Becca's season. Okay. Go back. Not that I know who's next. Not that yeah. I know. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Of course not. Right. No, I think the other remedy is to like maybe have a rule where it's always a social thing. Yes. Because um, mm, watching Bachelor alone is its own thing. Um, it's not bad. I mean, we all have our things. I mean, if yes. Bachelor is your only thing, it's really not that bad of a thing. Right. I love what you said, and it's something that I've followed, too, to create a rule. I create so many rules, and rules sound bad, but I, too, create rules or parameters Mm -hmm. for living and living in a healthier way. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, setting boundaries so it doesn't get out of control. Right. You're being intentional about it. You are an intentional bachelor watcher. Exactly. I this part got deleted out of the book and maybe it'll be a blog post but I talked about how when we're as adults we think we're not kids anymore but mm-hmm. we still kind of operate the same way and we still need those rules and parameters to you know be healthy and nobody's governing us anymore mm-hmm. um but the people that are really productive or I don't know. I feel like really good adults give themselves parameters. They know how to be healthy. They also recognize that they can be really unhealthy too. And that's why they've given themselves these parameters. Right. I've become, I used to hate the word discipline. Yes. Um, yeah. And, it, but it's such a wise thing and it's such like a beautiful thing. And the whole world mm-hmm. operates off of systems and seasons and disciplines and rituals and I'm like well I don't need any of those but actually (laughs) I do and it it, and I am much happier when I when I do that so yeah you should definitely write something about that yeah I need to dig it out that manuscript that and how you don't use the microwave (gasps) yes that I have a that's on my list okay I do not I have not used the microwave in four years yeah, yeah. Your, your butter warmer part of the book I was like yes what so yes. that's yes we need the world needs that post <laughs> yes because it takes up so much space in your kitchen it so does we mix it. yeah and in my in my hippie circles that I run with people are like anti-microwaves right. 
Right. Well, so. when you eat food that's been reheated in a cast iron skillet, which is what I oftentimes use, it is my microwave. It tastes so much better and the texture has been preserved, mm-hmm. but the microwave just does something to the texture, does yeah. not preserve it. Yeah. yeah. It takes all the, the good juju out of it too. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> technically speaking. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's great chatting with you. Thank you for having me. I just love how real and honest and relatable Melissa is. I love her approach to living a more simple lifestyle and how you can let that evolve organically. Just start with one thing, like the kitchen, and see where it takes you. And I highly recommend checking out her new book, The Minimalist Kitchen. I've been working my way through it, and I found it to be so helpful and inspiring And remember, if you want to win a copy of her book along with a free OXO gadget, head over to my Instagram at naturallyrandyk to enter. And if you liked this podcast and got some value from it, please head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe and even leave a review because Melissa and I would love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Or if anything, please share it with your friends. Pass it along to anyone you think might also get some good value from it. And if you would like this podcast to be delivered to your inbox each week, sign up for my free weekly newsletter on my website at naturallyrandyk.com. Again, that's naturally R-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y.com. For those of you that are looking for even more self-care support, I do offer one-on-one self-care mentoring sessions that have proven to be really helpful for people wanting to implement self-care into their daily life, but they're feeling a bit overwhelmed by the idea. And I also have a new online class coming out called Simple Desk Care, a self-care course for desk workers to relieve and prevent common pain patterns, improve your happiness at your desk, and even more ways to counter the negative effects of the desk-sitting lifestyle. Details for my mentoring and online courses can be found on my website at naturallyrandyk.com. And be sure to tune in next week as the self-care conversation continues, along with my lessons from the magical deserts of Joshua Tree. But until then, take good care and enjoy the journey.